This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Rum, do you hear something? Yeah, what is that? It's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's not that. Ooh, it's the best of the buzz with Bill. Is that right, eh? It's a good sign of things to come. Commentary on trending headlines with veteran AMI producer Bill Shackleton. Well, now. Billy! I say Shack! Yep, I'm back. Gene Z millennials speak out on reflections of of to have kids. Now, Jordan Davidson um, interviewed over three hundred um, prospective parents, women and and men, and they talked about basically the reluctant that they were reluctant not to bring uh, little ones into the world. And some of the, there was a lot of common denominators about this, but some of them were student loans, COVID, climate change, and this sort of thing. And it was the, you know, the food, uh, high food prices. And some of these, some women had their fallovian tubes actually sealed. And it's, I, I sort of get, and we all do. And the other thing that came across is that what what's life going to be for their little ones in in five or ten or fifteen years? And it's the question that I have is: Are things going to get any better? I mean, and I get all these concerns that that these people have, but I just question. I mean, remember your biological clock is ticking, and are you going to regret at some point not? Have, bringing little ones into the world. I mean, we all appreciate their concerns, but I just wonder how how much is is how many of this is going to come back, uh, basically backfire. Well, and 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 Brock, I'll let you let you in here. I just I I mean, and it's to me um, such a hard thing when you think about what people may or may not regret, what we may wish we could undo or or take back in future, you know, because I remember as a kid always being told about almost everything, especially anything I wanted to, well, I don't want to take piano anymore. Well, you might regret that later. And there are big things like, you know, having children or 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 um, that that you may decide, oh, geez, I, I may have made a mistake. And, and I, we can only say so much about science and what doctors can do, Brock. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's true. And honestly, this is a conversation that I've had with my wife about like, are we having kids? And I remember my dad having this conversation with us as teenagers and saying, like, I wouldn't want to bring kids into this world then, you know? And, and I mean, I've not been a teenager for a while now. And so it is a serious question. But as Bill pointed out, is it something you're going to regret? And that in and of itself is a conversation on top of everything else. Well, it's, we're very lucky to be able to. And it, it is a serious business, right? Some people, unfortunately, do not take um, having children serious. Um, and that, that, you know, what your dad said, you know, I know that's something parents and that was- will say, right? You know, they'll, they'll say to children, you, you know, be sure you are ready to look after, take because... The world has a lot going on in it, and I, I, I'm sure parents have said this, you know, for centuries. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, this was a conversation a long time ago that we had, and, and now it's only 
gotten worse. And so that becomes scary as well. I think one of the interesting things that came out of this that, that, that I just thought of is there, there's so many parents that, that, that are irresponsible and they're bringing little ones into the world without really taking to, uh, considering what is, you know, what all the ramifications are. How are you going to look after it? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to bring it up? And now with with the, all these, the COVIDs and the, uh, the climate changes, it might, you know, people might think more and should think more about, do I really want to do this? Yeah. Agreed. 100%. And it's it's a conversation that can't just happen overnight. It has to happen over a long period of time because once you have the child, there's no take back. No, that's yeah. There's no like my father joked when I move out. There's no return policy, but there is a little bit of truth. Once you have a child, there is absolutely no return policy. It's not like you, could, you have a 30 day trial and say I, I don't want this anymore. Well, like, that's what you'd almost think your father was up to with the remark. Why would you want to bring children into this world? Look, well, look at I'm saying it from experience. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stray cat video game brings some benefits to real cats. So this is actually being, it was started on Twitch. And the developers of this game have developed it so that they, they want they want people like you and me and, and, and everyone else who has a cat to realize how that, 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 that cats are not just uh, you know when they're little, and then and then when you, you you know people take them back to the shelter, people people will get pets, and they'll keep them, and then realize, hey, we don't want them. They get too big. They get rambunctious. We don't know how to train them. So what this game does is when you can see cats climbing over on pipes and knocking things over and things, so people know when you get a cat what to expect because i say a lot of people don't know a lot of people don't understand it would be kind of nice to have it for dogs because a lot of people get these dogs and they grow up and then they're too big and then they return to the shelter so this is one way of um well the developers are hoping that you know people will get a better understanding of what a pet really is right and it is a responsibility very interesting. I love the idea of the navigating through the um, the environment of, of what yeah. we would find a stray cat in. In our cases, uh, you know, certainly there are stray cats in the countryside, but through the different trials of, of a town, a city, um, and doing the things that, that they would end up doing. Um, and I think this also has that element of when you see that stray cat, do you, uh, you know, and go away from it, do you want to, you know, bring that cat in and help it or, or get it to a shelter or do something so that it, your footprint of helping cut down the strays that are out there happens. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a cool concept because the game itself is not, you know, morbid or... Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, ugly or, you know, showing the ugly side of of the reality of 
you know, stray cats and animals being abandoned and stuff like that. Um, but it's helping the cause when you interact with it. So it's a nice way to kind of bring people in, um, but still actually go, uh, the efforts are going towards a more serious situation. Fundraising. Nice. And the people who design the game, they're all cat owners uh, yes, for the most are. part. And yep. it seems that they um, really want people to have that feel, that care that 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 these strays deserve. Um, but it's so popular. That's really amazing. Social media offers parents more controls, but do they help? So Associated Press is bringing, in this, bringing us this article. And the question social media, it, it, the question of the article is, with all these filters that, that these platforms are putting in to try to control what kids see or what they don't see, do they really help if, for instance, um, some of the kids can get around some of these filters by lying about their age. Do they do they really help if parents don't know the technology or don't know enough what their kids are watching? Um, you know, do they really help if 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 companies are you know the more you search a website, the more you you're engaged. And do they really want to help kids? I mean, they're promoting the website. So why are they, are, are these filters really, do they, are they really serious about them, I guess? Hmm. Yeah, and I, I think, Bill, that's the whole thing. When you have censoring in that way, or what you want to classify as your filters, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of parents... Okay, first of all, there's it's it's a it's it's a large conversation, but parents have to have respect their kids' privacy. Uh, that's one thing, and they they have to. What, I mean, what if you don't understand the technology yourself as a parent? How do you know what kids are doing? So it's 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 very difficult, I think. To I mean, I think they do help, and but there's always going to be people that are going to beat the system. You know, and and you start wondering, right? Like, as a parent, your responsibilities, especially now. I mean, back in the day, it's funny, isn't it? Because kids seem to have less rights years ago, and you go back centuries, of course, none at all uh, to, yeah. to their privacy or whatever they did. Now there's a little more of that. Hey, be respectful. In that, but parents are also held to more accountability due to the system. That hey, you're responsible if your kid's out doing this. You know, where are you? And understandably so, but it becomes a really tricky thing when you try to put things in the safeguard to help, to kind of know. And there's got to be that trust of, uh, especially where you start infringing on rights, privacy, or or do you want your child to feel growing up, well, I couldn't do it, I couldn't breathe without asking. And and kids, you know, your child has to, you know, I'm... I'm growing up, mother. I know what I'm doing on the internet, and so on, and so on, and so on. So yeah, I mean, in the olden days, you got the strap, but 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 the system's totally changed now. 
So I don't know what I think they sort of do, but and 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 maybe they don't. Yeah, yeah, and and it is such a hard thing to decide because for each person, for you know, some some people you give them all the freedoms, you you take off some of these things we're talking about, and they're totally fine. Others, you know, you 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 know, I got to be a little more careful and keep a bit of an eye, you know, open no matter whether yeah. you like that or not or put these things in place and you're you're definitely going to get fooled or or someone's going as you said Bill find a way to beat it Pianist Oscar Peterson becomes first black Canadian featured on a circular coin. So we know Oscar Peterson, who is actually regarded as if is if is as Canada's one foremost jazz musicians. But what a lot of people don't realize, maybe, is of course he's a man of color, and he is. He was very active in the civil rights movement. And this coin, there was a ceremony yesterday commemorating commemorating him. And they're going to be actually releasing, I think it's 2 million of these coins on starting on August 15th. And part of that coin is going to include the final notes of his 1962 song that he wrote hymn to freedom which commemorates the the uh the you know the civil rights movement a one dollar coin worth buying for sure well and you stop and think about what oscar peterson means to to canada for those who know a lot of people have no idea that it's not whether it's the music or from a different kind of era we we've often heard his music whether we know yeah. that's oscar we know his 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 um, reputation south of the border. We know around the world this uh, amazing and gifted artist that was a tremendous loss to Canada um, because he just gave so much, loved being Canadian. Um, I think it's just wonderful. Uh, Bill, do, do you know how to get hold of it? Remember the the old days used to go, what, to the post office to get, get coins when they were released like this? Is that what you still yeah, this do? Is from, I don't know. It's from the Mint, so yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I, I think um, I remember they used to say that or used to years ago, oh, send away for it. But you used to be able, I think, to go and get the, maybe I'm thinking just stamps. Maybe that's all it was, but maybe coin, which makes sense. Coins, I can't remember where you go. But, uh, you know, this this is just such a wonderful thing to honor and obviously um, nice, the recognition of first black Canadian, but also just the artist on it. And I think they made a good choice out of artists we're going to put on there. I think this is a person that beyond being, you know, the first black Canadian, an artist, because a lot of time people would say, well, you know, what is the value of putting that particular person on there, the recognition, the notability that we we want people to be aware of? And I think he covers off so many bases and so worthwhile 
being put on there. And for baking, many of us want to have that coin, but also just go out and, and say, I, I'm going to Google Oscar Peterson. Your well, last it's one. more than the music. Oh, sorry. It's, go ahead, sir. More, sorry. It's could say it's just, it's more than the, than the music. It's right. It's, it's what he actually did. Broke breaking barriers for black musicians and so on. So, yeah. Yeah. And we think about this for other artists and say, hey, man, they're well known here or, or that playwright is, you know, we, we've heard this with uh, Foster, you know, how more of his plays are done around the world than any other playwright, that kind of thing in theater. And we're all proud of that kind of thing. But when you look at uh, somebody who really reached out, really covered a lot of people um, as an artist, uh, and when I say that, touched a lot of people with his music um, and, and people really settled back to he is an artist first and foremost. Oh, look, he happens to be Canadian. Spider-Man turned 60, fans reflect on diverse appeal. So there are, there are cartoons that back in my day um, that really promoted a message, like Popeye the Sailor Man was promoting eating your vegetables. Um, Smokey the Bear was another good one. And this Spider-Man is one of these cartoons where no matter how old you are, whether you're a man or a woman or you're 20 or you're 40 or you're 60, there is good. There, it's as good a cartoon now as it was back then. And it isn't just a costume. It's what Spider-Man promotes. They are When you think of society today, you think of, you know, everybody's wrapped up in themselves and who's going to help the little guy? Well, Spider-Man is, was a man that did that. He didn't care whether you were black or white or how rich or how poor you were. He helped, would help the little guy save his town from whatever. And I, it's, what, what's important about this to me is that there are people still, <clears throat> although they may be hard to find in some sometimes, that are willing to help the little guy and are willing to transcend. They don't care who you are. If you need help, you need help. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the message. This cartoon um, is, is promoted. The fact that we don't care whether you're rich or poor, if you, yeah. we'll help you. It's the definition of yeah, a superhero too, right? Yeah. Like when you compare Spider-Man to, I mean, I, I think of kind of the Marvel series that yeah, that have all right. come out, and now you you get the the stories behind the heroes. But uh, it wasn't always the case. It was always you know Batman or like just uh like suited suited superheroes, like people who are just out there. They're you know bigger than us, better than us, more powerful than us. But um, I guess what they were highlighting in this article is really that. Um, Spider-Man, and to quote them, it turned this idea on its head and made yeah. it so that this guy, this normal everyday person, um, just fights for what's right, fights for justice. And that's what they want to kind of remember, the legacy of yeah. Spider-Man. See, I always found, too, with Peter Parker, 
he was this person pushed around by other people and couldn't just go and be Spider-Man yeah. and be obnoxious or anything like that. He didn't have the like privileges. He, he, he didn't. And he also, though, knew what power he had. A, a huge responsibility came with that. Of course. Um, yeah. And I found, I find it really interesting because, I mean, I think we think all these superheroes they they do good they help out the, you know the the weaker person or whatever but some things and i think with with uh, spider-man being in new york the the original settings i think a lot of that lent itself to it i also funny enough this past weekend um was listening to an old-time radio show it was actually lassie um they had an actual radio show of yeah. Lassie, the dog, and Billy, you know what I mean, that the dog that yep, made a lot I of sure movies. Do. There was always Lassie yep. movies. But one of the uh, the host of the show, the story was about guide dogs. Yeah. And at this time, they were talking about a specific guide dog school, and this is 1950s. And the promo about the school said something that I, funny enough, and again, this is a different world now, and being here in Canada, not something I thought about, and older folks listening in probably can attest to this, but I've never thought about the fact that in this promo, the discussion was there that anyone could apply for a guide dog. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm stopping and saying, well, yeah, of course they can. No, they went out of their way to point out, no matter what background, no matter what ethnic background, you are welcomed here. And, and I, it surprised me, Bill, because I never really thought naively, I guess enough, of that being an issue that a person of color, a person economically, whatever, could apply for a dog in the 1940s and be refused on where you live. Well, and, and as, as you say, things things were different back then. And and yet, and yet they are, and, and yet they weren't. Like you say, they promoted something that should have been promoted and it, it shouldn't matter. And yet a lot of issues that we talk about it did matter back in those days, and it's nice to know that some of these issues that, like your the show, um, sort of turned that on its head and say, "Yeah, we don't care who you are; you can apply." It's definitely, and sometimes it's just you throw it; uh, it goes past us, right? Because we don't think about it that way. Um, but when someone points it out, like you mentioned in the promo, Kelly, you're like, "Oh." Yeah, maybe that's not a given. And it's being spoken in this old-time radio show where, for me, a lot of that stuff it was never touched. You know, I, I, you know, again, there's lots of things said that then that is different than what you would say now. And and there's always things, whether it's TV today or radio back then, that you would say, "Hey, that we don't say that anymore. That's inappropriate." Okay, but when this was, and, and of course, I felt silly. Of course, there'd be places where some people wouldn't be welcomed even getting a guide dog. So mm-hmm. very, very interesting moment that I had with that, Bill, and going back to what Ramya was saying about, and you about Spider-Man and that feel, uh, it really does make you stop and say, okay, you know, that underdog is there, but also the people that we otherwise wouldn't see. And I think we have to remember, yeah, this is way back when, 60 years ago, a very different time and to showcase those people. And maybe I didn't notice as a kid because it was at that point, you know, 20 years before.
Yeah, we're going to do this one. Over-the-counter hearing aids expecting this expected this fall. So the the FDA is um, they have been pressured by consumers groups and uh, basically medical professions to make hearing aids more affordable. The problem with hearing aids in the U.S. anyway is that I think the article that there was 30 million people that are that have a hearing problem, but one third of them don't use hearing aids. Uh, a couple of reasons. First of first of all, the price. Um, $5,000 for a hearing aid, for a set of hearing aids. Um, Medicaid is limited. It will not cover the actual device. It will cover the testing, of course, but not. Um, they figure that these over-the-counter hearing aids, if, if companies, once they start making them, will save the consumer $2,800. And, you know, part of the problem is that consumers they don't want to go you don't well basically with these hearing aids you don't need a prescription right you can get mm-hmm. it over the counter you don't need part of the and and going to getting the testing and if you can find an ideologist and whatever it does seem like it's going to make it cheaper and maybe more people will will get the hearing aids if they don't have the hassle of trying to find where to get tested, mm-hmm. um, maybe making them cheaper. Um, you know, maybe we can beat some of this this problem. Yeah, I, I wonder if just because more people are interested buying them, that makes the price yeah. go down, makes it easier, or yes. less chance of people just saying, "Oh, I'm not going to bother. I got to see a doctor. I got to get approval, get this document before I can get one from Medicaid." Bill Shackleton is a usual suspect on our show, Kelly and Company. You can catch Billy sneaking around the studio on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more of The Buzz. All right, see ya.